the bell has rung. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Raw Review edition of In Ring Reality for this week. I, of course, am your host, Josh Wazowskis, and today's headline for Raw, as I alluded to in the NXT TakeOver In Your House review, is all about one Charlotte Flair. Because, like it or not, Charlotte Flair has made herself the focal point of conversation. Because last night, she defeated Raw Women's Champion Asuka in a non-title main event. And even though Asuka very, very subtly did the Hulk Hogan-esque, I'm just going to kick out just before the three, despite the three being counted kind of a thing, it woke up down as Charlotte Flair defeating Asuka in the main event of Raw. And as I alluded to somewhat in the NXT TakeOver In Your House review as well, there is people asking themselves, what was the point of Charlotte Flair's NXT Championship run? Because she was on every show and she lost the NXT title without being made to get pinned or submitted. So, is Charlotte Flair the problem for WWE? No. No. Charlotte Flair is not the problem here. Just like my title says, just like my thumbnail says, if you're watching and enjoying the watching experience, if you're a podcast listener, of course, I appreciate you as well, but I'm just making a point here about my thumbnail. As my thumbnail says, as my title says, Charlotte Flair is not the problem. The problem is WWE and the way they see Charlotte Flair. Charlotte Flair is not the one going out there and saying, I'm going to dominate this entire division. I'm going to be on every show and I'm going to make people wonder what is the point of even having any other women around. That is not Charlotte Flair doing that. No, no, no. Charlotte Flair is one of the best wrestlers in the world. I don't care if you like her character or not. It's irrelevant. Fact is, Charlotte Flair is and always has been one of the best wrestlers in the entire world today. Pretty much since the first time we saw her wrestle Natty for the NXT Championship in NXT. She has always been that good. Her feud with Becky Lynch, despite it going on too long, even in my eyes, the biggest deadly Becky Lynch fan in the world, when I can say that, was one of the greatest feuds that wrestling has ever seen. And this feud with Asuka is going to be great. So Charlotte Flair is not the problem. I could watch Charlotte Flair all day, every day, six days a week without a problem. The problem here is that Vince McMahon or Triple H, most likely Vince McMahon and a few other people under him, have panicked and said, 
oh my gosh, Becky is gone because Becky is pregnant. Becky is the star that we built this entire women's division around for over a year. So what do we do now? Well, let's just go back to our proven horse, which is Charlotte Flair. And that in and of itself is not an issue, except for Vince probably made that decision before, or sorry, after Triple H had beforehand, is what I was trying to say, made the decision to bring Charlotte to NXT to try and elevate that brand. So while Vince is having one mindset of, I need Charlotte on Raw and SmackDown some too. Triple H is down here in NXT, for lack of a better way to put it, on the third brand, wanting Charlotte to have a long-term plan. A long-term plan that he alluded to in recent comments, saying that her entire NXT run will make much more sense in two to three months' time. But the thing is, WWE, after last night, made it seem like she's just done with NXT and she's moving on to a feud with Asuka, which again will be great. No issues whatsoever with that feud being a thing that's happening. The issue comes from her being everywhere on every show. But as I said, for me, as a viewer and a prognosticator of these shows as a podcast host on Facebook, YouTube, live, each and every show, and on the audio formats on all your preferred listening podcast platforms. For me as a viewer and host, that is not the issue. As I said, I could watch Charlotte Flair each and every day without a problem. The issue is that WWE hit the panic button and has not built up any stars until the point to where they're like, okay, now Charlotte is on every show. We have to build up other people for Charlotte to face and look credible. So now they have done a great job with their women's division. The last two or three weeks, particularly the last 48 hours, meaning of WWE programming, specifically, meaning NXT, TakeOver In Your House, and Money Night Raw, they have done great by their women's division. We have back-to-back women's main events, and we've got great stars like Rhea Ripley, like Io Shirai, and like Asta being built up to the moon. We've got over on SmackDown, we've got Bailey holding both the SmackDown Women's Championship and the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship with Sasha Banks. So you've got all of the best wrestlers in the world. Bailey, Sasha Banks, and Asuka, and Io Shirai all sitting here as your women's champions. And none of them, none of them, are named Charlotte Flair. But the perception is still there by WWE's own doing that these women are only being built up 
to make Charlotte Flair look better. So until WWE stops thinking we have to put our programming on the back of Charlotte Flair, this perception that Charlotte Flair is the problem isn't going away. So my whole narrative, my whole point of this opening segment of today's review is just to remind you to sit back, stop and think for a minute and realize that this is not about Charlotte Flair. It is about the way that they booked Charlotte Flair to look strong each and every week. It may or may not be about Charlotte Flair being promised things, but if it is about Charlotte Flair being promised things, as the story did come out in January at Royal Rumble time, that the reason Charlotte won the women's Royal Rumble match was because she had been promised things in the past that hadn't come to fruition. So there may be a nugget of truth to that, but again, that's not on Charlotte Flair. That's on WWE for making those promises to Charlotte Flair and putting themselves in that situation where they made her so many promises that they didn't deliver on, and now they look bad as a result of it. So just take a step back and breathe here and realize that, okay, Charlotte Flair is a big star for a reason. She is one of the best wrestlers in the world today, and her being in prominence is not a bad thing. Stop looking at it as Charlotte Flair is the new John Cena, Charlotte Flair is the new Roman Reigns. Realize that Charlotte Flair is just going out there, having a good time, and busting her butt, and doing a great job, and putting on great matches, and it's not her fault how she's booked. Now, if WWE does not capitalize on having Charlotte Flair and allowing Charlotte Flair to help elevate these other women, as we started to see, like I was saying earlier, then yes, in three or four, five months time, I am going to have to come back on to In Ring Reality, onto this show, and say to you, I was wrong. There is a Charlotte flair problem because no one else is going over but right now that isn't happening and particularly what they're doing with charlotte as of last night on raw has my spine tingling the idea of charlotte flair versus oscar like as the old saying goes num num eat them up with a spoon all day every day twice a week every day minute of every second i want that match and if you don't want that match there's something seriously seriously wrong with you and you need to reevaluate yourself as a fan of the sport because it's not even about women's wrestling oscar and charlotte flair are two of the best in the world at what they do inside the squared circle, inside that ring, as the show says, in ring reality. That is in ring reality. At its finest, Asuka and Charlotte Flair are the best in the world today. And the idea of them going at it is just tremendous. Yes, yes, there is a problem with Charlotte Flair 
being told to go around and say, Oscar, you've never beaten me one-on-one. Because it was brought to my attention this morning. I was incorrect last night while talking to my friend, Jamie Loves Taker, who, of course, is here on the show as a guest whenever she is able to be. I was wrong talking to her and saying that Charlotte has never, or sorry, that Oscar has never beaten Charlotte one-on-one. Because I bought in to what WWE was selling me until I realized this morning when it was pointed out by several outlets that Oscar did beat Charlotte Flair on an episode of Monday Night Raw on November 17th of 2019. That did happen when there was the middle mini feud between the Kabuki Warriors. Becky Lynch, and Charlotte Flair, Asuka did beat Charlotte in a match thanks to Green Mist. So instead of doing the dumb thing of erasing that from memory and expecting the audience to forget about it, which, full disclosure, like I just said, I did forget about it, and I believe many pundits and fans probably did as well, but it's not good practice nor smart to just assume People are going to forget about something. So instead, lean into that. Have Charlotte Flair come out and say you've never beaten me fair and square one-on-one. It took your little green mist tactics to get the job done. You know you can't beat me. And there's nothing wrong with that. Because that still makes this match we're seeing that still gets it hyped up that still does everything you want to do but you're not lying to the audience in the process so bottom line is it's not charlotte flair's fault people the position she's in it's wwe's fault for the last year and a half to two years of only building up the man becky lynch and the queen charlotte flair That is who is at fault here. They have realized what they have in Oscar. They have realized what they have in Rhea. They have realized what they have in Io. They have realized what they have in Bailey. And for a short time, they have realized what they have in Sasha, despite the fact that both of them probably won't be champion at the same time for very long, because that's clearly still the long-term plan for those two to end up feuding over the SmackDown title. But for right now, they do have all the best wrestlers in the world, not named Becky Lynch, who cannot wrestle due to pregnancy right now, on top of their company. So as long as they continue to realize that they need to go forward with this, regardless of whether it was a necessity for them and a knee-jerk reaction for them after the fact or not, as long as it continues, it's okay. As long as we see Charlotte Flair continuing to elevate and put over other stars, we're fine. We can see Charlotte always around that mix. We can even see Charlotte eventually break her dad, Ric Flair's record, if that is the plan, without it being an issue. The issue comes when you decide, as a wrestling fan, and don't get me wrong, wrestling is all about opinions. If everyone didn't have opinions, 
shows like this would not exist. I would never, ever in a million years, tell you if you have a different opinion of me, you're wrong. Because that's what it is. It's an opinion, but you just need to be smart about the way you express it. Because going around and calling Charlotte Flair the problem, instead of Charlotte Flair being booked by WWE the problem, is problematic and not the right way to go about things. And that is just something I really wanted to drive home because on the surface, this sets up Charlotte Flair as the next challenger following Nia Jax to Asuka. And it is something you should want. It's absolutely something you should want. And Charlotte Flair did her job and she's made so many other Women superstars look great right now. They all look like a million dollars because of her. So just take some time, please, and just breathe and just realize that Charlotte Flair is a good thing, not a bad thing. It's the booking that's a bad thing. And as long as the booking continues to slowly correct itself, we're all going to be just fine, and Charlotte Flair is not the problem. So, how did this main event between Charlotte and Oscar get set up? Well, of course, it was announced last week, and WWE social media slash media outlets as a whole didn't seem to quite know yet, or maybe a decision simply was not made yet at the time of whether or not this was going to be a title match or not because it was reported as a title match, then it wasn't reported as a title match. They didn't really know what they were doing. In the end, it ended up being a non-title match, of course. They're still going with Oscar versus Nia Jax at Backlash as of today at the time of broadcasting. It could be changed into a triple threat match for all we know, but for right now, it's not. So, it was a non-title match, and it was advertised last week, but it got set up in a very, very interesting way, because it looked like it was going to kick off for all. Asuka comes out, ready to face Charlotte Flair, then Banks and Bailey, the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, Sasha Banks and Bailey, that is, come out, and they confront Asuka and tell Asuka that they're allowed to be here now because they are the women's tag team champions and the women's tag team champions can go to any show they want at any time. This allows Charlotte Flair to come out and say, hey, what are y'all doing out here? Y'all are in my way. This is about me and Asuka. Me and Asuka have a match tonight. Iconics then come out and say, don't forget about us. We have our shot, or we want our shot, rather, still, at Banks and Bailey. These women's tag team titles are not going to be out here without us involved. So all this chaos gets turned from the supposed one-on-one match between Asuka and Charlotte Flair into a six-woman tag team match with the unlikely team of Asuka and Charlotte Flair teaming up against the Iconics, Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, and against the WWE Women's Tag 
team champions of Sasha Banks and Bailey. And this was a good match in the end. Oscar gets the victory with the Oscar walk as Charlotte Flair goes up to hit the moonsault. Oscar tags her in the butt, literally just slaps her in the butt, which was actually really, really funny when you saw it happen. Slaps her in the butt, slaps on the Oscar lock onto Billy Kay for the tap out and the victory. This sets up Charlotte to attack Oscar after the match to keep that plate spinning for the main event. Next up, we had interview segment with Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio trying once again to give an update on his condition. Is he going to retire? Is he not going to retire? What is going on with all of this? Seth Rollins then replaces Byron Saxton on commentary, sits next to Michael Cole and Samoa Joe, tells Ray to stop spreading these lies, accept his sacrifice, come to Raw next week, accept the invite from him, and talk about what his future is and relish in the fact of his sacrifice. Ray tells Seth, that's not happening. You are going to pay for what you did to me and my family. You are a son of a bitch. Then Aleister Black literally comes out of nowhere. And I'm not kidding when I say this. This was literally a Aleister Black version of a Randy Orton RKO out of nowhere. He comes out of absolute nowhere. Tackles Seth Rollins in the announced chair, takes him out. He goes to a commercial. Then we get Aleister Black and Buddy Murphy going at it with Austin Deary and, of course, Seth Rollins in Murphy's corner. They go at it for a few minutes. Aleister Black gets the win here in pretty dominant fashion over Murphy. Then all three men, Rollins and his disciples, continue to attack Black and Umberto Carrillo, who was Aleister Black's tag team partner. I just realized that I read those notes completely wrong. So it was a quick tag match with Aleister Black and Umberto Carrillo versus Murphy and Austin Derry. So sincerely apologize for that. But Umberto Carrillo gets beat with the stomp first. Then Aleister Black gets beat down a little bit more. Seth Rollins is yelling at him, saying, I told you what would happen if you continue to stand in my way. I will make an example out of you. After the disciples beat him down with Murphy's Law and hold him up for Seth, Seth then stomps him into the ground. So the Money Night Messiah and his disciples look strong in this segment. Once again, keeping that plate spinning for what looks like it's going to be Rey Mysterio and Dominic joining the Monday Night Messiah next week on Raw. We then got Randy Orton as he promises to break Edge at WWE Backlash as it was the peep show with Edge and Christian. Christian does amazing promo work right here. Absolutely, absolutely amazing promo work and just tremendously sells this match by saying, 
I don't think you can live up to the pressure. You can't have the greatest wrestling match in the world, Edge. You you haven't had a one-on-one match in nine years. You're, you're never going to be able to live up to this pressure. The eyes then come out. Christian says, that's what I wanted to see. That's what me and your family have always believed in. And Randy Orton then gets on the mic, tells Edge and Christian to shut up. He's going to beat them down. He's going to prove that Edge can't hang anymore. And this Sunday, the redemption story for Edge is over. Edge says, no, it's not, and walks off away from the segment. So, all in all, like I said, great promo work. Not a bit of an issue here at all. The issue, though, is the fact that we had the segment take place the way it did in the first place because the narrative has now changed from Edge versus Randy Orton to almost Edge versus the stipulation of the greatest wrestling match ever because Edge is doubting himself, doubting his ability instead of feuding with Randy Orton. So I've said it before, and I'll say it again until this ridiculous match is over. At Backlash, this whole moniker has been the problem, is the problem, and they should never have created this moniker of the greatest wrestling match ever because it's impossible for anyone to have the greatest wrestling match ever because it's subjective, and Edge himself agrees with that statement. He agrees with that statement, and he thinks that this should not be happening the way it is. He called out WWE marketing for doing so, but it is what we have, and nonetheless, we move on. Very good segment for a very poorly set-up match by all involved here with this one. We then got the next segment and the anything you can do, I can do better. The Street Profits and the Viking Raiders. This time they get a decathlon and despite there being 10 events, things like pole vaulting, hurdle jumping, sword fighting, etc, etc. In the end, it's still a 5-5 to tie which keeps this plate spinning for what seems like purgatory, like I've said a hundred times, I don't have an issue at all with the Viking Raiders and the Street Profits whatsoever. I don't have one single problem with any of them. The problem comes from the fact that these comedy segments, while fun and funny, are just not leading toward anything and they just seem to just be there just for the sake of being there so I hope this all comes to an end and maybe the Viking Raiders move away from the Street Profits maybe they get in that friendship that was teased backstage later on with WWE Champion Drew McIntyre as unwritten always around backup for him maybe the Raiders and the Profits decide that they're friends and not rivals and maybe they just have put the titles on the Viking Raiders after the Street Profits 
drop them to someone else. I know there aren't hardly any tag teams around right now. I get it. But this whole thing needs to end because it's just an endless cycle of what the heck is going on right now is what this is. So, yeah. Next up, we had the United States Championship number one contenders match as Andrade, Angel Garza, and Kevin Owens faced off in a triple threat match. Prior to the match, United States Champion Apollo Crews comes out and says he cannot wait to put the U.S. title on the line at Backlash. He's going to be in the back watching this one with bated breath, for lack of a better way to put it. I don't remember his exact words. He still came off. I still say that they are kind of hinting at a possible Apollo heel turn. He still came off as a little bit too cocky and a little bit too forced smiley in this segment. We'll have to wait and see what happens on Sunday. However, these three guys put on a tremendous match, particularly at the end when it went from what you would expect of a handicap match type thing with Apollo Crews, or sorry, not Apollo Crews, but Andrade and Angel Garza going at it against Owens to finally it breaking down with Andrade and Angel Garza accidentally knocking down Selena Vega at ringside. Vega has to be helped to the back. Those two break down. Then all three men finally start going at it, and this turned into a really good five or ten minute exchange Andrade then gets the victory in the match and the United States Championship match at Backlash by pinning Angel Garza so there appears to be dissension in the ranks in the Selena Vega faction will this lead eventually to the faction breaking up and Andrade and Garza in a feud maybe and if that happens they show great chemistry in the ring as opponents during this match so I'd be okay with it but I do think this faction probably has some more mileage in it and I wouldn't mind seeing it go on a little bit more because factions in WWE are always kind of fun so we'll just have to wait and see what happens with this scenario but yes at Backlash it is a United States Championship rematch between Apollo Crews and Andrade. Bobby Lashley and MVP then team up against the Viking Raiders in a match that was originally slated to be a handicap match. Then MVP remains at ringside after Drew McIntyre came out when Bobby Lashley was supposed to be the guest on the MVP lounge. And they cut a great promo together. They have great Mike Kim Street together, Juju McIntyre and MVP. MVP continues to do great, tremendous work since his return to the company. I love, love, love everything about what he's doing. He is so believable as the manager of Bobby Lashley. And Bobby Lashley has done a good job of getting a move that was never really a believable finisher back when Chris Masters had it as the master lock of the full Nelson actually over as a believable finisher and I am kind of looking forward 
to Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre. They've done a good job of building Lashley up. Unfortunately, Alana was backstage during this match watching on, being interviewed about not being allowed at ringside for Bobby again, which all but foreshadows that she is going to be involved in the finish, be the one to cost Bobby Lashley the WWE Championship, which is fine, but not fine. It's a completely unnecessary feat because this whole feud would be so much better without Lana. But again, WWE booked themselves into a corner and they kind of have to get rid of one thing before they can fully commit to another and that one thing being the Lana and Lashley marriage storyline. So it is what it is and probably going to continue to be that way going into Backlash itself. But I did enjoy the match. I thought all four men put on great work. The Viking Raiders are always great. It was just fun. Just plain fun for what it was, was this match between Bobby Lashley, MVP, and the Viking Raiders. And that's it. That is Money at Raw for this week. As I've already talked about, the main event was Charlotte versus Oscar. It went on for 30 minutes. It was a tremendous match. It was everything you'd want these two to have in a match with each other. Full of drama, full of vigor, full of, I just want to see these two women fight it out forever. It was great stuff. And we've already talked about what the finish of the match was. So with that, do let me know, as always, what you thought of the match, either in the comment section below, if you're watching live or via replay on YouTube and Facebook, let me know via social media at in-ring reality everywhere or at in-ring reality at gmail.com, which is our email address. If you want to get in touch with me personally on social media, my personal social media is down below in each and every description as well. Consider hitting that subscribe button and giving us a follow on either your preferred podcast listening platforms. Follow us on Facebook or subscribe to us and hit that bell notification on YouTube. Give us that five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, even if you use another podcast listening platform, as it does always help us grow, regardless of what platform you use. It helps us get the word out there about this show and continue to grow into a great wrestling podcast for each and every one of you. And as I always like to say, life is only as good as what you choose to make it to be. So make the choice to go out and do something great today.